Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I am hearing a lot of pushback to the running time of Killers of the Flower Moon, which is uh, three and a half hours. And uh, what do you guys think? Is that okay. uh, sort of... Every time uh, you bring this up, uh, uh, I always <laughs> say the same thing. What do you have better to do than <laughs> a Martin Scorsese well, movie well, edited oh. by, by Thomas Schoenmacher? The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. <laughs> Well, that's our friend Oliver Jones telling me what's what, which he seems to enjoy doing a little bit too much, if you ask me, but that's another story. Hello, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz, the head of Hound Radio and the Katz Podcast System is large and in charge in the control room and we're grateful to have you Lou and um, I'm wrapping up this year with a series of deep dives into 2023 and a deep dive into a lot of the people who appear regularly on this podcast so you get to know them a little better so having said that it is my great pleasure to say hello again to our man in Hollywood, the film professor, entertainment reporter, film critic, DC native flourishing in the big time on the West Coast. Let's welcome Oliver Jones. Oh, it's so great to be here, Art. You're making me feel so much better about myself. Uh, <laughs> I needed that. Oliver, I love that you are appearing on these podcasts and that you also give us uh, uh, an L.A. West Coast um, slant on the world of entertainment. And um, well, we, I have we... to say, Arch, I really enjoy it. And uh, and uh, maintaining this uh, friendship and relationship with with you and the connection with my uh, father, the late uh, Davy Marlon Jones, who was your great competitor for all those years uh, in the great uh, world of DC local broadcast news, which was such a high quality endeavor and and uh, I think is missed by so many. It all means a great deal to me, Art. So uh, my, my appreciation is overflowing. Well, so many people remember Davy Marlon Jones. And uh, later on, I want to do a deep dive into your life and how you got into what you're doing. Mm. And I, I, I will say right now that you and I are friends because you came up to me on uh, the red carpet at the Oscars a few days before an Oscar ceremony and introduced yourself. And I was so glad to meet you. And we've been friends ever since. Well, I was feeling particularly jittery that day, Arch, because uh, my daughter was a about to be born uh, mm. a few days away from being born. And, uh, I was having a lot of energy coursing through me. And of course, it was uh, pretty <laughs> exciting to see you uh, commandeer the red carpet as I have <laughs> so many years watching you on Channel 4. Uh, this, so this, was long, this was like three days before the ceremony. I think I was just standing around there looking at the statue of the Oscar or something. So I want to say that if you ever have a question of, of uh, whether you should go up and say hello to somebody or not, you should do it because some of my greatest friendships have started that way. A really so good point. Go. 
I, it's so, something I also teach my 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 uh, class. I mean, my my students, uh, uh, and um, you know, I feel like uh, the the Gen Z is a little bit shy about just sticking out their hand and reminding people what their name is and stick you know, your hand. You up. Learn how to do it. It's not yeah. easy, but it'll it'll benefit you a lot. Okay, so we usually start this show with the question: What are you watching? What do you like these days? And so, uh, what are you watching at? Uh, the Oliver Jones household that you like? Well, this is cram time, right? So so I'm a member of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. We mm-hmm. have our, our voting on uh, December 10th. So mm-hmm. right now I'm watching two to three movies a day. Um, so I've been really cramming. I've been watching some good ones. Uh, I'll name one that's that I watched last night that's coming up. That's a very unique film noir uh, called Eileen. Um, oh. That stars uh, Thomason uh, McKinnon and uh, Mackenzie mm. and uh, Anne Hathaway, and takes place um, in uh, 1960s Massachusetts. Uh, uh, a young woman who um, works at a uh, boys' prison and uh, develops a relationship with a very glamorous doctor that starts working there. And um, it's a rare thing in the respect that it's kind of a noir film that surprises. Yeah. Me. You know, yeah. they, where you're not necessarily seeing it coming. This young lady is our new prison psychologist. She may be easy on the eyes, but I assure you, she is very smart. Prison is no place for a young lady. You got a big life ahead of you, I'm sure. I'm just kind of average, I think. It's a good one. And I think it comes out um, in theaters in a couple of weeks. So uh, we, you've got nothing to say about streaming. I just, uh, uh, since we're... I do want to let people know a couple of things on streaming. And that is uh, when I ask people what they like on streaming, they're all saying lessons in chemistry. That seems to be the one. I haven't seen that one. Have you, Arch? Well, I have. I've been following it, and I really like it. If if you're looking for something to watch and like, uh, that's the one. Are you willing to discuss that streaming has taken over the <laughs> you're already you're giving me the stink eye right now are you willing to a discuss bad eye eye. my eye is naturally at stink uh, as a guy I who I can't control it i can't control mine either as a guy <laughs> who lives in la and loves the movies are you willing to discuss that streaming is overtaking the theater going experience well, it's I mean, that was certainly the discussion a year or two ago, Arch, you know, and it, and, and it was uh, hard for anyone to imagine uh, the movie theaters ever coming back at that point. But right now, I don't even think the studios are convinced of that, that that is the future. You know, I think that um, this year with what happened with with Barbie and Oppenheimer and, mm-hmm. and a sense of um, event quality that happens with 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 going to the movies, I think movie theaters are making a return. Now, I am biased, right, because I'm saying this from uh, Los Angeles, which has opened or reopened some incredible theaters just in the past year. You know, in the last two weeks, Arch, um, Quentin Tarantino has has reopened the Vista Theater uh, um, and uh, Netflix has reopened the Egyptian Theater. The Egyptian, right. And these are are palaces of movies. And this is just a small drop in the bucket of what we have here. So I don't know, you know, uh, people are always like to have things convenient, uh, you know, convenient uh, and, and, and to the way that they want. But in their hearts, people know 
that movies are different. Movies are different from television. Movies are not meant to be something that you're supposed to check your email and fold your laundry during, you know, the way that uh, television is. Movies are meant to overwhelm you. They're meant to be outsized. The people there are meant to be the size of uh, barns and mountains, yeah, yeah. right? You know, larger than life. And I think in their hearts, people know that. And and as much as they love the convenience of streaming, there's going to be some aspect, some siren call, and not just for the old timers too. My daughter, mm-hmm. it. you know, my daughter loves going to the movies and uh, and the the um, the fun of it. You know, one of her favorite places to go see a movie is the Alamo Draft House. And she's not even right. old enough to drink right. a beer, uh, you know, so it's not just these old movie palaces that that are drawing people back. So I'm not convinced, Arch. I mean, it sounds like you are. I am wondering if we as a society still have the ability to be at a location at a specific time, because <laughs> now we can go in there and watch whatever we want to watch whenever we want to watch it. So that's that's <laughs> and of course. That was a hostile question for you. Well, it's pretty funny, Arts, because when when you were a kid and first started going to movies, uh-huh. you go to movie anytime you wanted. You didn't even have to necessarily be there at the beginning. Yeah, this is true. Wander in whenever you liked. And the, there was and an expression. Of it. This is where we came in. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, you would you would show up and then watch the back half and then sit through the previews and then watch right. the front half. And then you get to where you walked out. Oh, this is where we came in. Right. And leave. Right. Yeah. So, and I think Hitchcock changed that for Psycho. Yes. Yes. He forever changed the way people saw movies, you know. And and I, I agree with that. I think you should watch the movie from the beginning and uh, watch it till the end. So look, but we're it, on it just, movies. It just speaks to the fact that everything is is evolving and shifting. It's it's going to continue yeah. to evolve. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason why my daughter likes uh, the Alamo Draft House so much is that they really enforce their no texting, no phone rules. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which um, which also you know is, is a difference between an enjoyable and an unenjoyable movie going experience. Um, and they are so wonderful about the pre show material. Yeah, I remember. I went to South by Southwest one year uh, in Austin, where I went to school many years ago at the University of Texas. And I went to the Alamo Draft House on South Lamar, which I think was one yeah. of the first Alamo Draft Houses. And they were showing, I think, Sorry to Bother You. And before that, they showed all this wild stuff, including a Spike Jones kinescope. <laughs> If you remember who Spike Jones was, this crazy band leader, and it was just exhilarating. And some of their other films, you know, they they would. I went to see a Michael Keaton movie, and they were showing other trailers of films Michael Keaton had been in before we got to the to the same movie. So, so I think movie theaters need to make uh, an effort. And uh, and they need to get back into the entertainment business. But but let's let's go on. Tell me what you like at the movies this year. I'm not going to hold you to a top ten list. Oh, just you what can. you have I made liked. for you, Arch. I made a list for you. Oh, okay, uh, what you have liked so far, well, and you you may modify it between now and the end of the year. First of all, I want to talk about you know because because I think. Uh, I have a resistance to ranking things and I'm kind of right. against yeah. it, but yeah. you know, yeah. I have such a clear memory of 
my father and of you doing your top 10 list at the end uh. of the year. You know, one year when I was uh, 12 years old, uh, uh, he, he was doing a top 10 list and had to leave to go down and do it live and just left me with the editor to help uh, uh -huh. finish the, the package. So I, I, I will say that uh, thinking about this top 10 list really put me in a way back machine and thinking about you guys and how well those those packages, those clip packages that you put together. For you know, one there. year I did a top 10 list and spread it over an entire week. Wow. Over five nights. You know, no television newscast is going to do that now. No, no. Uh, no. But uh, it was it was uh, it made me it gave me a new kind of appreciation. Um, but uh, I want to start by talking about um, the the movie uh, May, December, uh, which is going to be coming out shortly on mm -hmm. Netflix and is currently at theaters. Um, yeah. It's a Todd Haynes film. Uh, that is kind of a riff on the Mary Kay Letourneau story. Feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie. It's a very complex and human story. I think it's hard to trust that you're going to represent Gracie as she was. I'm going to try. Why do you want to play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloids. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with the seventh grader. It is such a strange and remarkable film, Arch, in that you can kind of laugh and giggle and, 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 and sort of see it as silly on one level, and then you could think about it another way and think of it as deadly serious uh, and, and a tragic story, you know, and it works on both levels almost simultaneously. And I can't think of many pieces of art that has able to do that so well. This is the teacher who marries a uh, a twelve year old or a fourteen year old boy. Well, in this, in this case, um, she wasn't. A, yeah, she in in this story. Yeah, Mary Kay Letourneau. That was the story that it's yeah. inspired by. But this this uh, story takes place in Savannah, Georgia, um, and it's about a um, an actress played by um, Natalie Portman who is mm -hmm. um, trailing the woman that she's meant to play in a movie that had seduced a fourteen year old boy in the back of a pet shop. Uh, years before, and and now um, they uh, they had been married for many years, and yes, they're, now they're an old couple. Yes, exactly, and and um, they have twins that are graduating from high school, and uh, it's just a uh, it's just a remarkably strange and challenging movie um, that uh, really reminds you that Todd Haynes is one of America's great living filmmakers. Oh, uh, yeah. No and, you know, it. I've got bragging rights with Todd Haynes. I've loved How's a that? lot of his stuff. But I saw the movie he made with Barbie dolls oh. about Karen Carpenter. And yes, we've just begun. She was the girl next door, one in a million. That voice. Caught in the harsh glare of rock superstar. Yeah, you believe this is every kid's dream? This is too much, too bad. Haunted by an obsession to be loved. You're going to find somebody who just wants me. If all you knew about her was the music, then you only knew half the truth. You've got to get help. A sound that will live forever. The Karen Carpenter story. Uh, it was quite bizarre. Well, it's a, it's a perfect year to celebrate uh, Todd uh, in the year of Barbie, right? Uh, exactly. Mattel has made yes. the official movie now. Um, <laughs> but also, I wanted to, uh, to mention Charles Melton, uh, who he got the um, Best Supporting Actor today in the New York uh, Film Critics Circle Awards mm. and also at the Gotham Awards. He plays the young man um, 
uh, in May, December. Yeah, and and he's and he's quite moving uh, in uh, in the um, in the piece. Uh, all three performances are fantastic, but uh, this is quite a remarkable film. All right. So, what else are you liking at the movies? So, I want to talk about a comedy and a ridiculous kind of. I mean, I don't want to say stupid, but it, it it hit the dumb spots that just and it made me giggle and it made my daughter giggle. The movie uh, Bottoms by Emma Seligman, mm, uh, Rachel yeah. Sennett, and it was. Uh, I, I've just I've never seen my daughter laugh so much in a movie theater. Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? Created a fight club to get some coochie. Yeah, I even know how to work that thing. I know y'all ain't tickling the pearl. I just don't know if you're supposed to be talking to us like that, just like as a teacher. And the idea of making a kind of um, American Pie style teen sex comedy, but for queer girls, uh, and and to do so with so much um, verve and life and passion. Uh, it was just a fun, silly movie that I, yeah, you know, that, that's going to that live with. That film is streaming now. It's yep. on one of the streaming services. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think it's on it's on Amazon. And I had uh, because of that, I also watched her earlier film, uh, the title of which I've forgotten, but it's Shiva quite Baby. good. Shiva Baby. Yeah, yeah. Which it's is also it's really out good. there. She's uh, also an interesting um, actress. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, uh, quite a partnership between the the, the director and um, and the actress who also co-wrote um, the script together. When they were uh, students at NYU, they wrote it in the mm-hmm. basement of mm-hmm. uh, one of the dorms, um, and um, and uh, it was just a silly, funny, uh, and uh, and great story that just you know. Uh, laugh per minute. I think it's the winner for me this 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 year in terms of funniest. Okay, so now so far I'm hearing Eileen, May December, Bottoms. Uh, well, uh, switching... got anything wide? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know. I okay. I, now that, that you're you're saying that because Oppenheimer is your top film of the, yeah, of the yeah, year. Oppenheimer uh, is. That, is uh, Oppenheimer why... on your list? I, I liked Oppenheimer. I didn't <laughs> love it. And and the other thing, Arch, is that both in documentary and in film this year, I'm feeling a little confined by the biopics, uh, yeah, by yeah, all these yeah. stories of great men. And it's I think this is especially true in documentary. Like like uh, this year has been I I feel like a troubling year for documentary in that we're getting so many movies about famous people. Uh, and, and, yeah, and a lot yeah. less films about, about issues that concern our lives. And, and, um, although and, I did like still a lot, uh, the one yeah. about Michael J. Fox. And, no, no, uh, these movies are not bad movies. And uh, I love the movie about, um, Little Richard. I am everything. I mean, uh, I just saw that and yeah. liked it a lot. I mean, it's not to say that the quality of these films, I mean, Oppenheimer, I liked Rustin a lot. But I'm just saying I would like to see stories about everyday people and also about uh, uh, around themes and issues and not just but about now before we get that, what, what about Maestro? Have you seen Maestro? I have. I have. Have you seen it yet, Arch? <laughs> I have. What did you think? And can you guess? <laughs> Let's see. I listen to classical music every single day. I have seen Bernstein. Uh, conduct i certainly saw him on television 
Uh, and I thought, I particularly the first half of it, the the acts uh, where he's a young man uh, finding his way in the forties and fifties, and the celebration of uh, mid-century culture. I just loved it. I just yeah. loved. I just yeah. want to watch it over and over and over again. Would, would you say you liked it even more than Oppenheimer? Not quite, but almost. Yeah. But now, interesting, you know, there's two great man movies. I mean, they're saying, oh, Maestro isn't a great man movie. It's about his wife. But, you know, a great man is at the center of it. And uh, Oppenheimer and uh, uh, Bernstein are not exactly uh, likable, you know. Complicated men. Yeah. Neither uh, one on your say, 10 best. When I when I uh, I saw um, Maestro nice. as closing night film at the AFI Film Festival, I saw it at the Chinese Theater, the big theater, oh, yeah, on the big yeah. blue screen. Yeah. And um, after uh, Bradley Cooper conducts the mass uh, uh -huh. in, in the film, there was huge applause that swept through the uh -huh. theater. Yeah. And it came yeah. about a second before the applause came in the film. You know, yeah. we were right ahead of the applause from the movie. But I have to say, watching him conduct and seeing the way that he conducted was so thrilling. I mean, it was so exciting. It was such an exciting thing to watch on screen. Wouldn't you agree, Arch? I mean, uh, he was very, very good at it. And not only that, but it was like a thrilling thing to see. It was. A, I it was loved a the movie. I love the story of Bernstein. It will surprise you. I did not care for his style of conducting. I thought he was intrusive and uh, taking attention away from the music. And, and Bernstein's Mass, I think I went to a 25th uh, anniversary production of it at Kennedy Center. I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> but they highlight the music from On the Town. And of yeah. course... One of my childhood memories is uh, in a music class, we studied uh, Bernstein's film for West Side Story, his music for West Side Story, which is brilliant. And On the Town is, I love the way they showcase On the Town with a, a sort of a, of a dream-like ballet where uh, the ballet from the, from the show, which became the movie, turns into a ballet about Bernstein's life. And uh, I was, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, I have to be honest, Arch. I liked the film. I felt uh -huh. to me a little bit like a collection of greatest hits uh, of, of Bernstein's greatest hits. It, it felt sort of like I had seen a lot of that, those scenes and other documentaries about him. Yeah. And, and, but and you know, they skipped West side. They skipped a lot of the things you expect. They skipped West side story and they skipped the limousine liberal stuff. And, yeah. uh, and you know, so I respected that, but it's not on your list. Neither uh, one are on your list. Well, now you're making me feel like I'm this obscure guy <laughs> picking all these obscure <laughs> films. Not, that's um, okay. I, um, what, what, I what else? What's of, on your um, list? How about I, killers I, of the flower moon? Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> There were aspects of the film I liked a lot. The movie didn't move me to the to the level that I that I had hoped. Uh, it had right. wonderful, wonderful performance, especially by the supporting actors and, and I the have actress. Thought, uh, uh, yeah, Lily Lily uh, Gladstone. Yeah, she's very um, good. I did not it, like the twist at the end. 
when they go from 1920s Oklahoma suddenly to uh, the 1940s, and and that that's when he lost me. Uh, you and know, it's it, too damn long, three and a half hours. Give me a um, break. You know, I, frankly, I I I I was um I I just wanted to see what was happening with those sisters and also mm-hmm. with those hillbilly thugs. I mean, I yeah. felt like a more interesting movie was happening in the margins uh, yeah. of this movie rather than in the center of it. And I also feel like with the exception of Wolf of Wall Street, that the collaboration between DiCaprio and Scorsese has featured very passive characters. Uh, and yeah, and once yeah. again, he, he played a character that felt very, very passive to me. Uh, and that's not that's not an exciting vehicle uh, to, to carry a movie through. But that's, aren't you hearing, though, that uh, Maestro, Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, those will be the three oscar films i don't know Arch, one of my favorite films of the year um uh past lives uh, yeah i know you like past lives really Me gained too. a lot of momentum already and is really moving up the charts quickly it's the it's the little engine that could of this year's race and um and you know there's a little bit you know of of um backlash happening after a year of of incredible word of mouth for this film but it it remains to me one of the most remarkable and uh and touching films about what love means in this at this moment in in the world uh and what connect what the nature of of connection and of choices uh and um i just think the film was was beautiful it's a first film by the playwright uh celine song uh, it stands Greta- out for its quietness i think it stands out for its smallness for the for the the uh, the stillness of it. Well, don't you feel, Arch, that 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 one of the most powerful things movies do is they make those small things in life yes. like large and big and as big as you know, uh, as big as a bomb blast, the bomb blast that we didn't see happen in in Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, well, we a, felt we it. Did. Yeah, <laughs> we um, didn't want to see the bomb. You know, that was okay. Well, so let me I, ask I, you about two small films, uh, sort of comedies, uh, The Holdovers, and American Fiction. Well, I liked them both. Um, I liked uh, The Holdovers um, a little more. Um, Both are anchored by wonderful lead performances. Um, And and both are very much uh, uh, worth seeing. Uh, You should seek them out as soon as you have an opportunity to. Now, American fiction uh, is a story about a black academic who, um, as a as a joke, takes uh, writes a, a novel uh, that that uses every cliche that we that uh, is um, in. Uh, it's literature's uh, answer to the producers. Yeah, yeah, similar. <laughs> yes, very, um, very much so. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. You know what I mean. I be standing outside in the night. Deadbeat dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's black, right? I see what you're doing. Although, interesting, this this movie is also a family story. It's a story about a once wealthy black family from Boston. Uh, it's kind of on the way down and splintering apart. And for me, I was more... Um, attached to the family part than I was the social commentary part. Um, and, uh, and it seems as though it's been excised from all of the, um, 
uh, commercials and trailers of it. Um, and then, uh, and then part of the issue was, uh, that I had with this movie is that Tracy Ellis Ross is in it and she's just wonderful. She's a wonderful screen presence. She's been a television actress for most of her career. Uh, she's rarely in the movies. Uh, she has a wonderful rapport with Jeffrey Wright. And then she's out of the movie rather early on. And it feels to me like it's just a crime to not use Tracy Ellis Ross. If you have, if you have her in, in, in your movie. I admired the way they, I, I, toward the last two thirds, toward the last third, I started wondering, how are they going to wrap this up? How can they wrap mm -hmm. it up? I, where can this possibly go? And I thought that they were brilliant in the way they ended it. And um, the other thing about it is it's that it's a, it's a movie about uh, dealing with a parent with, um, with Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I liked the way they did uh, that part of the story as well. Um, uh, I, I think it's a good movie. It's a complicated film. I think that people should not necessarily expect what they've been advertised. I think it's a more right. complicated and interesting film than the one that is being advertised. It's not just the player. What about Saltburn? Did you see Saltburn? I haven't. That's one. I need to see Saltburn and Priscilla. I plan to go see them uh, this weekend. Um, so those are the two big... Uh, have you seen either of those, Art? I've, I saw Saltburn, and I thought it was a very slow buildup to a pretty good ending. Okay. So when, the, when it wraps up, I was glad I put in the time. As I was watching, I was, oh, yeah, yeah, the rich are different from you and me. They did this 100 years ago. It was Scott Fitzgerald, and now they're trying right. again. And then, oh, well, <laughs> and then, and then. So any broad movies on your, uh, well, are either I, of those on your list, the holdovers um, or American uh, fiction? I uh, the holdovers, yes. I Not also, American fiction. Um, well, again, you know, it's an excellent movie, and this is a ten. This was a remarkable film year, uh, Arch. I mean, this was a really great year for movies, and not only that, um, we might not have a year like this again in quite a while. Uh, you know, because uh, we're coming out of these strikes, and yeah. um, who knows what the the fallout is going to be from that? But this has been a great. I mean, year what movie. you're implying is pretty much from here on out. We're going to get the big franchise movies because uh, the whole business is going to be about uh, profit. I mean, who, you know, you're always such a doomsayer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, you dedicated your, your career to yes. celebrating this art form. Uh, and now you're acting like uh, it's all up behind you as you, you know, I mean, you're this, killing me. Uh, there, I I think that um there there will always be wonderful and 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 um uh, character driven and artist driven movies. I want to mention another film, Arch. Um, again, this is not going to fit your wide. Hasn't come out yet, but um, it's it's maybe the most profound film of the year, the most difficult film of the year. It's a movie called Zone of Interest. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I want to see that. It's a film by the um, director, Jonathan Glazer. It took him years to make. And it's kind of um, it's kind of the opposite of Schindler's List, you know, where Schindler's uh -huh. List was about a remarkable uh, individual showing um, uncommon humanity. 
uh, uh, in the face of the Holocaust. This is about everyone else, the people who just went along with it, uh, right. who kind of forced it out of their mind. And it's, it's about, about the wealthy officers living next to the camp, and uh, yeah, the kids can upper look middle over class family that that's yeah. living right against the wall of Auschwitz, where he is the commandant. And the movie wow. is two movies at once. It's the one that wow. you see, and it's the one that you hear. And yeah. when you sit down to see this movie, it begins with a black screen and an ominous music that kind of like sets the tone for this experience. And as you listen and feel this film, you kind of get this stomach achy feel because, yeah. you know, you can close your eyes sometimes to images, right? But you can't close your ears. And the oh, horror man. of this movie is entirely in, in your ear. And the zone um, of interest. And it, you never, you never what, see what it, you it always hear it. Uh, it's it opened a while at the, end of the month, at the end of December. Oliver, thanks for tipping us off on that one. I'm Lou, back in a moment with more of the Arch Campbell podcast. But first, a little shameless plug for Hound Radio. Hey, I'm Hound Radio's Lou Katz. And it's me, it's me, it's JP. We hope you're going to join us every weekend for Sunday Night Stiffs. It's one hour of lost songs at 9 p.m. You know, songs that were never hits. Songs that no corporate station would ever play. And no wonder they don't. We'll even hand out a free honor each show. Right, JP? Yes, L-double-O, the Viagra Stiff of the Night. The one song that proudly stands out as the worst of the worst. And most of the tracks you hear are by request so don't blame us if you cringe while you're listening and if you want to send one in do it to lou at houndradio.com sunday night stiffs being barked out every weekend on the only internet radio station that has the paws or the balls big enough to scare listeners away hound radio hound radio okay now look we got five minutes left the reason i wanted to have you on by yourself is so you could tell us how you got into reviewing, and uh, tell us about your relationship with your extraordinary father, Davy Marlin Jones. Well, I mean, so that answers your question right there, Arch. <laughs> uh, you already answered it in the in the, in the question. I mean, um, I'm a second generation film critic, and I, I say that with an extreme amount of pride um, because both the industry that my father was a part of in the um, uh, uh, network. I mean, in the in the local news, um, in the high quality local news, and let me say there were none higher quality than Channel Nine uh, in Washington D.C. Yeah, um, explain your father in his uh, in his salad days uh, and what he meant to D.C. My father um, was by um, by training uh, a, a theater director and a professional magician, and somehow by by. Uh, by some sort of crazy stroke of thunder uh, sent down by the, the hand of uh, Jim Snyder, uh, he became the um, film critic and cultural critic uh, the year I was born, uh, 1971. And my dad did it differently than anyone else did. Um, he always wore a three-piece suit. Uh, he always wore a fedora hat. He did magic tricks. He used $3 words, but he was not exactly a sophisticate. Um, you know, he was, he kind of had a, um, sort of, uh, almost like a Victorian carny barker type of, uh, <laughs> presentation. um, but it and, was. And what about the deal with the cards where he would pull the title of a card out? Well, on Friday, throw it over his shoulder on, on Fridays when he would do the, the, the week's worth, right. Uh -huh. He would, 
have a stack of cards and he would, you know, if he liked the performance but hated the movie, he would rip off the performance uh, and stick it in his in the corner of it. And then he was a magician, so he could make the card disappear. <laughs> you know, and it would appear on the top of his head, under his hat, you know, and he would, make, he would make everything that he would do with it thematic to what he thought of the movie, right? So he wasn't just doing the trick for the trick's sake. It was it was part of his theme. Um, and um, and let me Did tell you, he know that you followed him into into the family business. Well, when I got the when I got the job at Variety in 1999, it meant a great deal to him because you know I'm sure that you subscribed to Weekly Variety. And he yeah. subscribed to Weekly Variety back then, and I grew up reading that in his um, in his living room, and uh, and I would uh, occasionally write reviews for Variety. I don't really know, you know. Sometimes I kind of feel like a Clint Eastwood movie where the where the gun is passed down to the younger kid and he has to sort of like avenge his father, you know. <laughs> the last um one of the last things that my dad did on air before uh he got laid off by Gannett, he did his his worst of the year list and on top of his worst of the year was everybody else's favorite film that year, Blue Velvet by uh, <laughs> And I remember going to school and one of my very best friends at school, this was a guy who I knew and was very close to me, came up to me and said, Oliver, your dad is an effing idiot. Uh. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I remember after that day, I was like, I'm going to be a film critic. <laughs> and I'm going to avenge my father. Um, How long have you been in California now? I moved here in the um, uh, August of 2000 during the Sydney Olympics uh, wow. and have been here ever since. Uh, wow. and, uh, I've raised my kid here. Uh, it's been a um, it's been a remarkable thing to move from Washington, D.C., a company town to Los Angeles, another kind of company town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will say, you know, one thing that was remarkable about my my dad, uh, Arch, was that he was in Washington, D.C., Right. This he was a he was a peacock in kind of a pigeon town, yeah. uh, you know. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I was I, I I was lucky to grow up there, uh, and I was also lucky to grow up there with a focus and appreciation on the art, and yeah. you know, in a in a place where policy is made and where 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 um policy is talked about, arts plays such an important role in 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 our understanding of humanity, and the small part that my dad might have played in expanding people's vision of that. Uh, I'm very proud of, and I hope I can do and, you know, continue on in a small way. Oliver, I love having you on this series. It's been so great talking to you today. Best wishes to you for the holidays, and thank you for being here today. Let me remind the folks that we come to you on Hound Radio, and we're on Apple and SoundCloud and all the other podcasts. Uh, thanks to Lou Katz. Thank you, thanks Lou. Thanks so much, Oliver. And thank you, Arch. Have a wonderful uh, rest of the month and a, and a happy new year. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>